Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because I Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. My name is Brian Lamar. I work at EMI Research Solutions. We really appreciate you joining. Joining me for now is Brian Peterson. Hey, Brian. What do you mean for now? For now. Well, in a second, we have a special guest. <laughs> okay. You tell, <laughs> you're about to tell me something? For the next 45 seconds, um, Brian Peterson will be joining me. And then more importantly than you or I is that Lisa Wilding Brown, who was recently named CEO at Innovate, is going to be a pretty nice, thorough, lengthy interview. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I am too. Uh, this is her second time on this year. We had her back on in April. Yeah, the, the first time we talked more about how she kind of balances her workload and, you know, kind of what it's been like, you know, through going through COVID and things like that. And that was a little more personal discussion. Um, and then today we're really talking about at length what it's like, how is she named CEO? Um, what are what are her plans? She goes into some pretty specific. Um, she has a lot of ideas, and then she talks a lot about. She's really really passionate, and you will hear from her. She said it in the interview that she's going to be loud about it, about the diversity of the CEO role in the industry. And so, um, in terms of females, which I know she takes a lot of pride in, she joins. And this is just off the top of my head: Kristen Luck, Melanie Courtright, Christy Zolke, Diane Surratt, Seema Vasa as the the ones that I can think of, I'm sure there are a few more. Obviously, it's not uh, 50-50 in the industry, no. uh, but she joins a kind of an exclusive list of female CEOs in the market research industry. Very well-deserved. Um, I love the story of her background, and I'm really excited for more. Anything else I missed, Brian? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. She is part of a pretty exclusive club. Yeah, absolutely. She um, she's amazing, and she's great for the industry. The the better that Lisa Wilding Brown does, I feel like the better the industry goes. And so um, I'm really proud of her. And so hopefully you'll enjoy the interview. Joining me now, I am so happy to have on board is Lisa Wilding Brown. Um, hey, Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. What I mean, we're so fortunate to have you on because there's obviously news, and I'm gonna. I'm going to read your new job title. I was going to introduce you with your new job title, but we, that had taken so long. Um, the most important part is you're now Chief Executive Officer at Innovate. Congratulations on that, first of all. Um, but that's, there's a comma after that. You're an SMR Council member, Insights Association Laureate, founding member of the Multicultural Insights Collective, Wire Exec member, Wire Mentor, Insights 250 Global Innovator Recipient, I'm adding mom and wife to this because that's important <laughs> as well. Um, but man, you're just racking up the duties and the responsibilities, and I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, and I I no longer sleep, so <laughs> I have been able to 
achieve 24 hours of, of wakefulness on a daily basis, I, I don't need to sleep anymore because I've got all this stuff to keep me busy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a lot. And so um, you were just on in April and I think it was around September 1st, maybe when you were announced as CEO, which for me, I feel like I'm in the know of all the things that are going on in the industry. And that was a shock to me, a surprise. You all kept it secret. So good job to you and your team for keeping that a secret. Um, but that's what a great announcement. I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank you. No, yeah, it was September 1st. And, you know, we obviously have been planning for that announcement for several weeks. So uh, Molly and, and Diana and Brittany and our marketing team, they were really great in getting us all lined up from a communication standpoint. But yeah, we kept it on the down low. We we uh, we wanted to be very strategic about making that announcement, and um, it is it is difficult, I think, to keep secrets in this space, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you have to have a small circle of trust for sure. Yeah, um, you've worked at Innovate since it started, and you've I mean you've known Matt and all those guys that have been around forever, and you've known them for a long time. So maybe you could talk about how you found out. Like, was this? A long process. You mentioned it's been in the works for six weeks, but my guess is it's been longer than that preparing you for this. Yeah. Um, well, it's been kind of a, an evolution. I mean, I've been working with um, our founders, Matt, Greg, and George, since really before Innovate. So I came on board in 2009 to a company called USAMP. At the time, um, Matt and Greg were, were founders of that business, and George came on uh, shortly thereafter uh, and ran our global sales division. And so all of us have worked together for, gosh, over 12 years now. Um, and it's just been a, a really great collaboration and friendship through the years, and we've gotten to know each other really well. Um, and our families really well and all of that. So, um, you know, when they when they decided to leave USAMP and, and start Innovate, it was a, a no brainer for me. I knew I wanted to continue, continue on that collaboration. And, you know, um, when I started at Innovate, I was really doing a lot of different jobs. You know, when you're building a business from scratch, you really have to roll up your sleeves. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, technically I was running our operations team when I started here. Um, but I was just, I was doing a lot of different things. I was, uh, project managing, I was creating invoices and deploying those to clients. Um, I was working in sales and doing also research on research. So, you know, when you work in a small startup, you really have this amazing opportunity at your feet to, to just get exposure to, not only getting to work with amazing clients and colleagues, but really to learn the business of market research. And that's different than actually understanding market research. Yeah. But, you know, and so you sort of have to ask yourself, how much time do I spend working in the business versus on the business? Yep. And that's evolved through the years, certainly. Um, but a few years back, Matt and I sat down and I, I basically just expressed to him my, my interest in, you know, getting to this type of position someday. This was in my own personal, um, I guess, goal for myself. You know, it was, it was a trajectory, a career trajectory that I was really planning for. And um, we had a lot of discussion around it, and um, I just remained focused on on making this become a reality. And so that conversation happened years ago. I just kept my head down, kept working, and trying to add value wherever I go. And um, Matt Matt approached me 
uh, gosh, a few months months ago now at this stage and uh, offered me the position to to be Innovate CEO. And of course, I accepted uh, immediately because I was really, really thrilled to have that opportunity. Um, so it's been in the works for a while. Well, you mentioned something. I kind of want to deviate a little bit. You mentioned <laughs> that you express interest. And so I think that is a key lesson learned from everybody and especially women. I know you're really involved in WIRE and it is, um, you know, we don't have a ton of female CEOs in our industry or in our country. And so when you say express interest, I think that is a lesson learned from everyone, not just women, that you went to people that you developed trust with, that you'd worked with and been through probably a lot with as you're building multiple companies with. You express interest. You said, this is my career goal. This is the path I want to take. And you all work together to get there. And I think that's such a lesson for younger people out there to not be afraid to say, this is where I want to go. Help me get there, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to make your wants and needs known. Um, and it's difficult, I think, for a lot of people, men or women. It can be difficult to advocate for yourself, to lean in and express what you desire for your own career. I think a lot of people think, oh, that's that's sort of being selfish or I don't really know how to advocate without sounding demanding or needy. Um, You know, you can negotiate on behalf of your company all day long, I bet. But when it comes to really advocating and negotiating for yourself and your future, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, And, and, and I have in my, in my past life, you know, there's been different points in my career where I kind of was like, Oh, I should have, I should have really, um, verbalized how I was feeling uh, or what I wanted in that situation. And I didn't, something held me back. And so as I've evolved through my career and I've gotten older, I think I've just come to that realization that you have to be your biggest champion. You have to advocate for yourself and express where you're coming from and what what you're looking for um, in the future. And I think you need to spend some time really taking stock on what that is, right? So before you actually articulate it, you really need to think long and hard about what does that future of mine look like? What do I want? What do I not want? That's equally as important, um, I think, is to understand where you fit into the ecosystem and what what you desire for yourself and, and what you want to try to avoid as well. Um, and once you get that sort of solidified, then, you know, communicate that to to folks that you work with um, so that they can help support you and get you to that place. And, and listen, the guys have been incredible mentors of mine through many, many years. And we just have a really good open dialogue and uh, very transparent uh, communication style. And so um, I think investing in those those working relationships and, and and honestly, those friendships really help to create the dynamic that allows for those types of discussions because it's not something that's supernatural for people to do, right? Yeah. People, I think, really do struggle. And so you just want to surround yourself with people you like and trust and enjoy working with. And if you can make that happen, then you can make a lot of great things happen for yourself in the future. Um, that's great. And you, you've built this over a number of years, as I mentioned kind of before, that Matt, Greg, George, are ama- I love all of them. They're amazing people, not just like businessmen and innovators in the space. They're just good people. I've loved getting a chance to talk to them about just life. And 
I'm assuming you were the only choice for this, right? I mean, a lot of times companies step out, maybe they try to find someone. Um, I'm assuming this, there was never any question you were kind of built for this role, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, I don't know that there was anyone else in the consideration <laughs> set. <laughs> um, and, you know, when the guys approached me about it, they said, you know, we had a we had a meeting and it was unanimous. Like we all believe in you. and We all enjoy uh, working with you and we think you're the right pick for for this role and where we're at as an organization. And of course, I was thrilled and, and um, very grateful for the opportunity um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it is interesting to see kind of an insider being promoted up into the CEO, CEO role versus yeah. bringing someone from the outside, either from a different company or even outside of the industry. Um, someone that's been a CEO before, this is my first time as a CEO. I haven't done it before. Um, so certainly there's going to be some, some learning curve, uh, curves involved, but at the same time, I think being an insider gives me a huge advantage. I've been here since literally day one. I've done pretty much every role here at the organization. And I think that gives people a sense of, um, I think that, you know, there's credibility that I, I enjoy here because I have a level of empathy that I think maybe other CEOs may not have because they've never been a project manager They've never had to deploy sample into a survey. They've never had to work with a client when a survey's fallen out of scope. Um, they've never had to, um, you know, deal with some of the scenarios and situations that, as a researcher and as an insider, I've been intimately involved in. And I think that just paves the way for a really great communication and working relationships with our colleagues here at Innovate. Um, and, and our clients. So, um, you know, I, I think there is a level of, of credibility and empathy that, that I have because I've done a lot of the roles that I'm asking people to contribute to and, and to do. So, um, I think that's, that's a kind of a, yeah, a, it's almost like a superpower in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have that credibility, not just internally, but externally. I mean, everybody knows has kind of seen your career path evolve over time. That's been in the industry for a while. Right. And so mm -hmm. it was like a little bit of a surprise. Oh my gosh, he's CEO. It's not a surprise from um, your abilities, right? It's just, you see a small ownership group and um, it's amazing that you got that role. That's, I mean, you deserve it. You earned it. Um, it's not a surprise from that kind of standpoint that you have the credibility industry wide, obviously. Oh, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Um. So you've been on the job for, well, officially on the job for a couple of weeks. Love to hear kind of what your maybe some of your kind of goals or your vision for Innovate. Yeah, I mean, I think I break it into two things. I have, you know, personal goals for myself and then I have goals for for the business, of course, in my new role. Okay. I think from a personal perspective, um, I really want to be a very accessible CEO. And that's... That's, I think, so, so important. There is no ivory tower here, right? We are a very flat organization by design. We've always been that way. I mean, it's not unusual to see Matt in a meeting, um, you know, with our marketing team and looking at new comps for our website. Um, it's not unusual for George to be meeting with our sales team and giving them tips and best practices around being a really great um, 
client advocate. There, there's, there's all sorts of instances or examples that I could give you that, that sort of point to the fact that we are a very flat organization yep. um, by design. But, you know, that's great when you're a really small company. But at this point now, we're 150 plus people um, here. I think we just hit 151 uh, innovators wow. worldwide. Um, we've got an office in Calabasas, an office in Connecticut, uh, in London, and then as well in Gurgaon and Ahmedabad in India. And so we're really a global grown-up organization at this point. And so we want to maintain some of that kind of flat design that I mentioned earlier, because I think it's important to be be accessible, but at the same time, how you run a business with 151 employees is very different than how you run you know, a five person startup. Um, and so, you know, really scaling the company and, and getting that scale in place so that you can grow comfortably and not feel the squeeze of capacity issues. That's super, super critical. So we spend a lot of time in Excel spreadsheets, um, and doing our budget planning. We're actually in the process of that right now to really make sure that we have a good sense of what's required to, to continue to scale and to continue to grow the company. Uh, and part of that is really going to be around streamlining communication uh, with me as CEO versus having, you know, our three founders plus our president, Michael Anderson. Yep. You know, when you have a group of leaders, sometimes it can be very difficult to disseminate communication and ensure that things are very streamlined. And so having a, a single point of contact as me as a CEO, I think is going to be really helpful in streamlining that communication. But at the same time, Brian, I think it's so important that I remain accessible and yep. approachable um, and uh, try to add value where I go. But I am going to have to really put out some boundaries there um, yep. in some cases because I can't be everywhere and do everything. Um, and you and I have talked about that in the past. You're like, Lisa, how do you do all this stuff? And I joked, you know, that I don't sleep. But there yep. are instances where I'm going to say, you know what, let's let's have this person um, yep. run point instead of me where I might have historically done that. Um, and so, so there's, there's some of that, but I think above all else, I want to, I want to really be accessible and I want to ensure that we're communicating in a really streamlined and efficient way. And I think the other piece for me personally is just making sure that I'm giving everyone visibility into why we're doing what we're doing. Um, what are the goals that we have as an organization? What, what strategies, um, do we live by? And and help everyone, no matter where they sit within the organization, to really understand how their individual roles contribute to the, the bigger picture. I just think back to other organizations that I've been part of. And, you know, when I was at Harris, I was a project manager to start out. And then I worked over in the panel team. And there were definitely times where I just didn't feel like I had a clear line of sight on what I was doing and how it was really impacting the company. And I think it it stems from just not having enough global communication and and really helping our colleagues see, you know, where they add value, how they add value, and, and how it really impacts the health of the business and the services that we provide to our clients. So accessibility and communication for me personally as the new CEO are going to be very, very important and something that I'm going to be deeply invested in. In terms of like our professional goals for the business, 
you know, we have two really, I think, established channels of our business. On one side, we have our managed services business, which is really, you know, traditional kind of MR uh, workflow where clients will come to us for sample from either our our B2B or our our consumer panels. Um, Sometimes they'll come to us and have us um, program and host their surveys and handle all of the backend deliverables. Um, And then on the other side, we have our vision suite, which I'm really, really excited about. We uh, launched that earlier this year. And I think we actually had mentioned that on the last podcast, Brian, but for those listening in, I'll I'll give you a little bit of background on that. You know, vision is really an end-to-end, fully comprehensive agile insights platform. And, you know, we're, we're not, um, the first platform out there to be like this, right? There are there are other platform solutions out there, but I do think there's some some really key differentiators with our with our platform solution in that there's there's really not a need to stitch other platforms to this. And what I mean by that is just from talking with different clients as we were evolving and building the tool, one of the pain points that I was hearing a lot of was, you know, clients may use this tool to program their survey, and then they may go to this platform to send sample to that survey. And then, oh gosh, they're not feasible. So now they've got to layer in another two or three platforms to get more sample into the mix. And then they use a separate platform to handle their backend deliverables. And I got to thinking, you know, that's a really kind of frustrating experience it's to, to work with disparate systems. And we all have experience working with disparate systems, right? Like when at a previous company I worked at, we, we had a different system for managing our bids. We had a different system for managing our projects, a different system for managing invoices. Um, and then we had different databases to pull sample from. It was just kind of like a lot of redundancy yes. in terms of the workflow and a loss of efficiency. And we want our employees to feel like they're very efficient and that we're not wasting their time. But that efficiency also carries over to our clients because we can be more expeditious in what we're doing. Um, and because everything's so centralized, we reduce that risk of human error. Um, that is all too often an issue when you're working with different platforms. And so thinking about our own experience as employees at different companies, you know, think about it from a client's perspective. If they're trying to deliver insights to their stakeholders and they have to go to four or five different platforms to create the product of 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 insights to their stakeholders that's incredibly time consuming inefficient and frustrating and so with vision clients can come in script their surveys deploy sample from our b2b and consumer uh, panels and then create customized charts um, export reports uh, and also take advantage of the really robust portfolio of quality tools that we have integrated into the system. So we're going to be really, really noisy about vision. We believe in it. We think it's a really wonderful product and it's it's making a difference uh, in the lives of, of the clients that are using it today. So you're going to see more and more um, about uh, about vision because I, I think you know if you if you look at some of the data that's been released to the industry so you know I'm an SMR council member and the SMR buyer study um, was released this year and it said that 48 percent of brands are doing research internally 
Um, and that's up by eight points from the previous year. So there's a shift yeah. that's happening in the space where, you know, the good news is everyone needs data. Our, our appetite for it is insatiable. The pandemic definitely accelerated that. Um, and clients need to find solutions that are going to allow them to be more autonomous, more independent, and really be able to maximize their budget. Uh, and so that means there's going to be more, I think, more adoption, uh, greater adoption of agile insights tools in, in the industry. Yep. Wow, that was a lot. Um, no small task. Um, that was really good. You went through a lot of stuff there. I wanted to mention, go back to one thing you mentioned, and that's uh, when you're talking through your personal goals in your new role, you mentioned communication, um, kind of visibility into the goals and strategy of the organization. And I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think you have, in some ways, you certainly have a couple disadvantages, but you have an advantage in that you work kind of remote and you work in New York. And so communication will be um, made in some ways it might be easier for you to try to tackle because they're used to having to work with people in different areas of the world. Um, you're not going to forget somebody. I know that we're primarily in Cincinnati and sometimes we, Oh, there's so-and-so is remote today. We forgot them. I think that's an interesting situation and, and maybe an advantage that you work remote. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been working remote for years and years. Yes. Um, I started working remotely Although it was partial remote um, set up back in 05, shortly yeah. after my son was born. Um, and then I moved down to Dallas in 09. Sorry, not 09, 2011. I'm, I'm giving myself a couple of <laughs> years there. Um, so when I started USAMP in 09, I was fully remote. And then I moved to Dallas and worked in the office there for several years and then moved back to New York in 2016. So I've been on and off remote for most of my career. Yes. Um, so I think when you operate in that kind of environment, you are really forced to be a good communicator. Yep. And to you, you just you can never assume you making assumptions is so dangerous. I love to even almost over communicate to make sure that people understand what I'm trying to convey. And often in a, just a conversation with someone, I'll I'll say, you know, does that make sense to you? Or what are you hearing? And and often, you know, it's sort of conversations like exchanging a ball back and forth. And they'll paraphrase what I've just said. And, and then you sort of understand that people really have arrived at a mutual meaning. Um, and so communication is is super key. And, and, you know, listen, the pandemic has created this remote environment for a lot of people. And I think I did have an advantage in that I already understood and knew what it meant, but it was still different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over the last year and a half, yeah. it was still a different dynamic because for the first time I had my kids downstairs and their Zoom classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they just finally went back to school. I have a, a 10th grader and a fifth grader, two okay. boys, and they just went back to school. Uh, last week. And this house right now is so quiet. It's really, it's really strange. It's just my dog, Annie and I here today. So it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, but it does. It, it forces you to really over communicate and ensure that there's mutual understanding so that you can move forward together and as colleagues. And so um, I do think that that's an advantage that I have. I have a lot okay. of practice at it. I just have a couple more questions. Um, I read your blog. I mean, that was 
I just, I could, I could feel the passion coming out of you and I could almost <laughs> hear you reading it out loud. Um, it was really, I, I would encourage anyone to go out and read the blog because you, you certainly had the pride that you had in that role was so evident. Um, you talked about your family. Um, I love how you spoke about your parents and um, you mentioned you had never thought about being a CEO, a female CEO. And you're part of a small group of female CEOs, not just in research, like I mentioned earlier, but in business. Um, there's a huge push for diversity and inclusion, as there should be in our industry. And do you think that your role, and I feel like you are in a position that you can help push this forward because you are kind of, in some ways, you're one of the faces of our industry because you're out there, um, you're accessible, you... Um, your conferences. And so do you feel like there's a burden or do you can help you can further push this initiative for diversity of CEOs in the industry? That was a long worded question. <laughs> uh, no, it's a great question. And, and you're right. In my blog, I mentioned as a kid, like that just being a CEO was never in my consideration set. Uh, it was, you know, I always thought of myself as sort of a natural leader. Uh, and it's funny, I see it in my youngest son, Gavin. He's <laughs> He just came home yesterday and he told me he had volunteered for the safety patrol. And he's like, mom, you know, they're looking for leaders. They want someone to help the little kids get to the bus and back from the bus to the class. And, and I just rose my hand and I just said, I want to do it. And I just, I thought to myself, oh, my little leader, you know, yeah. <laughs> his little yeah. CEO in the making. Um, so it was really, it was a proud mom moment for me yesterday yeah. when he came home with his bright neon yellow safety belt that he was wearing proudly across his chest. So it was a pretty cool moment. Um, yeah. So I didn't really think that it was, it was something that would be available to me. I think as a young girl, you're growing up and you see these models of what other women are doing. And I didn't really have other models to, to look up to that were, were in this type of position, you know? Um, and I speak a little bit in the blog just about my mom's journey and, my mom is just one of the smartest, most engaging and wonderful people I know. Of course, she's my mother, so I'm a little bit biased. But, you know, she talks a lot about her childhood and, you know, she shares stories with my kids on how hard it was growing up on the farm and how poor her family was and how badly she wanted to have the opportunity to go to college. But basically, the family just didn't have enough money and, you know, her her dad said to her, he's like, you can be a secretary or you can, you know, get married and have a family. And that was, you know, I wish my grandfather was a bit, had been a bit more progressive and a, and a modern man. But unfortunately, that just wasn't the scenario back in the early 60s after she graduated from high school. And so my mom didn't really get the same opportunities that I did. Um, but I, I think just growing up in, in the late 70s and 80s, I, I was exposed to you know, media and entertainment and the the messages and the, the the pictures that are presented to young girls. And, you know, subliminally, it really impacts the way that you think about yourself and what your options are. And so if you see women just, you know, overtly objectified or, you know, yeah. kind of serving in these token roles of mother, right. teacher, nurse, you know, I think that really starts to impact the the psyche of of young girls that are obviously very impressionable and and looking for external guidance on how they see themselves in the world. So 
the good news is I think we're seeing more and more women that are are stepping up and 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 breaking through that glass ceiling. And um, I don't see it as a a burden whatsoever. I see it as one of my life's greatest opportunities. I think I have a responsibility to show other women in our industry that it is all possible yep. and you can design your future and, and make it what you want. So I'm going to be, you know, again, very noisy on this because I feel very passionately about it. And I think it's very important um, for us to have greater levels of, of diversity and gender parity, um, you know, in, in executive teams. Uh, I think our executive team is, is, uh, it's 50, 50 female male. And I, I wish it wasn't an anomaly or, um, uh, you know, a, a kind of infrequent scenario, but it, it is, uh, if you look at other organizations, I think there's a lot more work that we as an industry need to be doing and listen, it's it's in the data, right? So it's proven. If you read McKinsey's most recent DEI report, it said that, you know, when executive leadership teams have and enjoy that level of diversity, it immediately impacts the bottom line and creates greater opportunity for profitability and efficiency. And they're just more effective. When you have diverse thoughts, it leads to, um, you know, diverse ideas, uh, which lead to just a, a kind of a wider view of of what's happening in the space that you're navigating, and it, you can be more informed and, and make better decisions as a team. So, I, I'm really passionate about it. I'm excited, and um, I plan to encourage other folks in the industry to to hopefully do the same. Well, that was well said. Um, and I'm you mentioned your mom didn't have the same opportunities, and you even as a child didn't see the path that you're on now, but your mom certainly is, has to be proud that she instilled those values and that drive in you so she can see it happen through you. And young girls today will have, will see people like you and see the opportunities in our world that are available to them. So I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you look at it like that, when you tell that story. And so I'm happy for you and I'm happy for the future of our industry because of people like you. And so um, I'll just say that. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. That means a lot. And, and, and my mom, I guarantee you, she'll be listening to this. So mom, <laughs> you're listening. Hi. <laughs> um, she is one of my biggest fans Yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to make her proud and, and my dad as well. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I really, I, I give them so much praise for, for everything they did for my brother and I. And I think, uh, they really invested a lot of time and effort, and and I hope that I can be uh, a good mom like my mom was to me. I, I, I'm still, I mean, I'm 16 years into this motherhood thing, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a tough challenge day in and day out. But yeah, you know, uh, you just want to be able to raise good humans at the end of the day. All right, so. I'm sure you're doing that. I love I love this quote in, in your blog. I'm going to read it. Um, and for the countless women who believe their course in life is set. I challenge you to disrupt the status quo, be fearless, and be heard. And I think that's amazing. And you, you directed that towards females, obviously, but I think that could be for anyone who believes their course is set in life. You can um, disrupt it and do that. So I thought that was well said. So I really appreciate you coming on, Lisa. Anything else you want to promote or 
should people reach you? They probably don't want to reach you right now, right? <laughs> you know, I've tried to reply to every message. I mean, the 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 reaction I've gotten since the announcement went live, both internally and externally, has just oh my god, it's just been amazing. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with folks that are listening. So definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll make a connection. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll see some folks um, at in the conf- at the conference circuit this fall, assuming that things go okay with the Delta variant, I would like to get back out on the road and see people in person. So if you see me at a conference this fall, walk up to me, say hello. Um, I just, I just, I love meeting new people and making new connections. So I, like I said, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to uh, move the industry forward and make an impact. So that's what I'm doing. And I know you mean that because I've approached you in the past before I knew you. I think I approached you and you were so um, welcoming and you were so accessible. I expect nothing different just because you have a different job title. Um, that's just who you are. So thanks for joining and good luck in your role. Thanks so much, Brian. You guys take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.